0: Hello, we are back from our fall break hiatus with another new episode of Those Who Can't Do Podcasts. This is a podcast that discusses all things in education. My name is Gina, and I'm here with my co-host, editor, producer, and husband, Matt. Hello. (laughs) We are just two teachers navigating this crazy world we call teaching. In today's episode, we will discuss the impact that the office of the U.S. president has on teachers in America, along with a wish list of positive change we would like to see during our next four years. In honor of the presidential election here in the U.S., we wanted to talk about the true impact a sitting president has on our educators in the U.S. So I want to break this episode into two parts, Um, the history behind presidents and their impact on education today. And then I want to end with like a wishful wish uh, wish list of what positive changes we could. uh, Not just any wish list. A wishful wish a wishful list. wish list. Um, so we uh, for what we want to see positively change in the next four years. Mm-hmm. So let's start with part one: a history lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, I need you to tell us what the major decisions that a president can make when it comes to education. Just like briefly tell us, like how they can truly impact okay, educators so and education. The executive
1: branch obviously appoints secretaries. Um, and one of those secretaries is the Secretary of Education. That person is in charge of a lot of federal decision-making as far as public schools are concerned. Um, A lot of times federal funding doesn't impact public schools directly too much because it comes from the state, but it's there. Mm -hmm. Um, They can also encourage laws to be made and set precedents in the Supreme Court, Um, and obviously they do have some weight there, even though that is the judicial branch. Um, They do have weight in those laws and that timeline. Um, They also call for, like, overall, um, like equality and equity kind of acts, uh, and talk about, you know, what types of students have access to what types of programs and education, you on a public level. So, you know, Americans with Disabilities Act and, mm-hmm. uh, No Child Left Behind are, are obviously executive decisions that have come down and filtered down into schools. So that's, I mean, there's a lot of decision-making that goes on. Obviously a lot of it is at the state and then at the, you know, school district level as far as direct funding goes, but they do influence a huge section of the population as far as the decision making goes for public education.
0: So they're pretty important. Uh, oh, the, thank yeah. you. you. I want to summarize that as saying they're pretty important. Okay. They're going
1: yeah, to <laughs> influence a lot of stuff. And okay, um, you know, obviously, you know, because anytime that there's government employees involved, they're going to be directly influenced by the government. And it yeah. might seem like a really duh kind of thing. But in this case, it is a huge deal.
0: All right. So let's go back to the 50s. I know that was a long time ago. Um, but we need to paint a picture of how much of an impact a president has on education and how it influences us in education today. Mm-hmm. So Eisenhower, yes, way back then, uh, he did two major things in his presidency in regards to education. He provided critical support in in. Uh, the integration of schools, specifically in Little Rock, Arkansas. And then the second thing he did under his presidency was the formation of the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, which basically he started paving the way for our modern education it wasn't really a thing until the like a major thing until the 50s so let's pause for a second to discuss how these affects uh our education today all 70 years ago how it affects us today uh specifically when it comes to diversity in schools and um how we uh so let's talk about this question how do we treat diversity in schools and how can we thank eisenhower for paving the way for it so how do we treat
1: diversity is i mean there is there, everybody has access now. Is mm-hmm. that is that the is yeah. that the correct answer, ma'am?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, A plus, star, That's Gold star. Uh, uh, Everybody has access
1: now. And I'm pretty sure, you know, well, we, 1950s well, and 60s started, you know, uh, ended segregation in schools and made it so that way everybody has access to, you know, the educational needs on any level. Um, the diversity in schools comes from, I think, more, um, you know, like immigration over the next you know, 40, 50 years, obviously schools become more diverse, the more diverse people move there. Um, But that's a, that's, that's kind of the big thing is that now everybody has access to all of the educational Mm
0: -hmm.
1: backgrounds and... We're not doing um, that
0: separate but equal, you know, But it's still,
1: (laughs) yeah, but it's still like... I mean, you know, yes, it ends segregation, but obviously, you know, geographically becomes a lot bigger deal. So wherever you're living geographically is going to be the school that you're engaged in. And so if your school is primarily in a specific area, you're obviously going to deal with people that are in that area rather Mm -hmm. than the other way around. And so it becomes much more about the way that cities are set up, I guess. oh yeah, And the way that public schools interact is that
0: well, there was people started you know,
1: busing back and forth yeah. to other school districts to encourage the diversity, so people would get on buses and go to a different location in the city. Um, and that's in major cities. If you're talking about rural areas, I think those rural areas kind of became more a part of the system.
0: Well, you we got to thank him because you know there were, there be there's now l- like less neighborhoods that are focus on, you know, the color of your skin because, you know, he kind of started that with like, we're not going to do this in public education. So now, you know, you obviously can't say like, you can't live here or go here because of your skin color. So it does pay, he did pave the way for diversity. Um, So... Uh, that was the start of diversity in schools. Let's move forward to accommodations for all students, especially those with special needs. A lot of presidents actually really helped out with this, starting with JFK, uh, who was the first president to get the ball rolling for uh, students with disabilities to learn in public education. Then he, this was supported by Johnson with the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, uh, which funded special education centers and helped support schools. But and I also want to say those areas. looked
1: very different in that special education centers were very similar at that point to like hospitals yeah (laughs) like they weren't really education centers um and that's why it's like you know yes that's the case but this integration versus you know having to get those specific special education students into school was very Mm -hmm. different
0: yeah Well, this is completely different things. Definitely, you're talking about 60 years ago and incredible differences. I mean, incredible differences.
1: But I also think that JFK shouldn't be the poster child for helping students with disabilities. No, he had like
0: a sister or something who, like, who.
1: uh, (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, okay, yes. Well, no, I'm talking about Johnson
0: now. He's the one who did. the what do you call it? Okay, yes. Yeah, so uh, special I'm just education like, centers hey, maybe, maybe wasn't super helpful. Again, <laughs> well, actually, we're gonna go over like intent later on about how maybe it was all intended to be good, but not in retrospect might not have been. Um, but uh, in addition to that, Nixon signed the Rehabilitation Act that paved the way for 504 plans. Okay. Uh, Ford signed the Education for All Handicapped Children Act, providing free and appropriate education for children with disabilities. Uh, he spearheaded the inclusion of schools. And then you have George H.W. Bush, who signed two major laws, uh, impactful, uh, really impactful today individuals with disabilities and education act and the americans with disabilities act both supporting and protecting those with disabilities both in schools and in the workplace so uh, let's pause again and discuss how these programs directly affect us today in regards to special education and equality for all um what did we get for what did we get out of these programs and how is it being used in today's schools
1: okay so look the we got to understand that as the science came around to understanding how disabilities work
0: mm-hmm. and
1: how we're able to implement and discuss programs that are going to help people with disabilities mm-hmm. that this is all in response to the science so initially they felt like they needed a lot of like hand holding and so they dev- designed separate centers to send them to mm-hmm. where they kept them isolated from society mm-hmm. and that slowly rolled into Inclusion, Yeah. That slowly rolled into, we need to get them in the same building, and then it got them into the same rooms, and then it got them into the same educational, you know, backgrounds. And it it became known that isolating does not help. Yeah. um, And isn't the best way to go about it. And that is backed by the science as it advanced in society as well. Mm -hmm. Because we also saw the end of you know, and talking about, you know, in general, people with disabilities, we saw the end of like asylums. Yeah. And the end of like, you know, putting people into, you know, padded rooms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those still exist. Those are still there. You know, hospitals but are still there to help really severe way. cases, but not Not, not severe cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became useful to kind of help people with that. Mm-hmm. So this all became, this all came around because of the science and they kind of were following that. Um, it also made it so that way students that were disabled got more specific attention yeah. in a specific classroom. Yeah. But I still don't think that until like really recently mm-hmm. in our history have we been able to like fully implement special education students into the classroom. That's incredibly recent. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people disagree with doing that. They think mm-hmm. that isolation is the key, that they're slowing the rest of the students down. And that's mm-hmm. you know, that's not necessarily with the science. I would not say that's true at all. That's not going with it. But a lot of people are still of that opinion. Mm -hmm. To this day, I still hear that um, from parents and stuff that that's that's the opinion that they have and that's not fair Mm -hmm. or true and it's been backed now by the science and I think the executive branch stepping up and calling that out mm-hmm.
0: was huge. Actually, can, I want to pause and give like a quick like personal story? I had a kid who was uh, gifted, but he was autistic. He was pretty high functioning, so he, he could handle you know being in school. But he was with the same group of kids for three years in middle school, and his bed teacher wanted to uh, cut back his like support, thinking like, oh, he's doing fine. He doesn't need extra help, um, and i had to talk with her i'm like you don't understand like the fact that he's been with these kids for three years they know how to like work with him better than i could ever do because they know him and they're familiar with him and that support of his peers was way more helpful than me being his teacher the the special education teacher in charge of his case um being his uh support so it is really important for inclusion because in all honesty children you know they help each other way more than i think adults can so it's really important with inclusion especially with sped kids
1: well it's completely different than when i was in school obviously well it looks different like the whole program in general looks i just different.
0: remember kids randomly leaving class and no one really knew why <laughs> like why is that person leaving because they would like go and they would take them uh they'd be, t- they'd we be had, secluded we had separate way.
1: classrooms they weren't oh, in wow. our class
0: we had kids who were in our class but like they, they were, they were, in were the, well yeah you were they like, were in
1: the sped class
0: we all knew it. They, oh. we,
1: we were like, "Oh yeah, you know they're our friend, but they're in the they're, they're in the, the other class." Yeah, we had other words to call that class. Oh, no. That was not that was not good, and it's much it's much improved now. Yeah, because you you really don't know. Yeah, and that's, a, and that's the important part is that you shouldn't.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, so paving the way for diversity social education and kids with disabilities uh so now we need to talk about the more modern stage of education what they're what we're going to call improvement and how like they want to improve education so clinton signed the goal 2000 uh education america act this paved the way to just that's sarcastic (laughs) (laughs) This paved the way to many things we see currently in education, uh, more training for teachers, academic standards, and a push Ooh. towards getting everyone to graduate high school. Again, good intent, not necessarily this, the best uh, outcome. Well,
1: yeah, this filled the day. Well, okay, so more training for teachers is obviously a good thing, but more yeah. training that doesn't lead to anything is not helpful. Yeah, it's like and here, exactly it's quality
0: happened. and over quantity type and that, of thing. you thing. Know,
1: it's it's that we're making you put in a lot of extra time for no actual, you know, financial or physical reward and we're not actually offering you any college education, it's just peer education. Yeah. So it's like And it's
0: not to say you can't learn from your peers, but at no, one point No, it's a waste of time. Yeah. I, <laughs>
1: It's, can, you can't learn from them, but it is a waste of time. It's a, it's an aggressive waste of time. Yeah, it's uh, again. I'm the, gonna go back with quality over
0: quantity.
1: And uh, obviously, any teacher will absolutely hate the word standards oh, yeah, just absolutely. because of the implication of it. Even though it's needed, even though it's required, it's mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah. Um. But listen, that it became an issue because of the just amount
0: mm-hmm.
1: of people. Quality were over with. quantity, friends. Yeah. We had there's <laughs> the the number of students the number of people that were seeking education skyrockets and they obviously have to do something to respond to that Mm -hmm. on a more universal stage. But I will also put in place that this was done at the time where we did not yet realize, and this was not an education yet that kids learned differently at different paces and different types of instruction. Yeah. And so when they make this, they were making a universal template for how to educate a kid. Yeah, if, you if you're seven years, old, you seven years old, you should do this. You know, Eight years old, nine years old, you... everybody has a template that they have to fit. And we now know, and everything has been about going back, and this one and the one that I see is coming up, which is No Child Left Behind. <laughs> everything we've done in the last 15 years has been to undo this mentality. That, because uh, that yeah. mentality is so unbelievably broken in a modern education system and setting okay. that it just literally can't even accommodate most of the kids that we're dealing with.
0: Well that and you also have to think about, yes, if you're 10 years old, they expect you to know all of these things, but it, it's it's not good if you're you know if you learn a little slower in certain subjects, but what if you're really good at others? Like what if you're really good at math? Well, and and the they're other, like they're, put, they're kind of like almost hindering you from moving well, forward no, I'm counter that
1: and say, look, it goes beyond that into the job market. Mm -hmm. And that there's no job where they're going to sit there and insist that, you know, you fit this specific criteria. They're going to play to your strengths and they're going to play to your weaknesses. They're going to realize you can and can't do things. Mm -hmm. They're going to continue to promote you to this level and they'll continue to take stuff away from you that you can't do and give it to people who can. Yeah. It's all about diversity. It's all about learning what your people can do. And yes, there's some certain specific criteria you always have to hit in any job that you take. But that criteria is so low that a lot of times it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. that they can do that. So having a well, it also this template doesn't matter what, what age you person, are.
0: It doesn't matter what age you are when you approach that job either, yeah. you know?
1: Well, obviously, you can tell. We're both very, <laughs> we both have very strong opinions about how this functions. That's my opinion. us so let's, let's talk about Bush here. <laughs> no Child Left Behind is on its own level of incompetence.
0: So, yes, uh, No Child Left Behind, placed by George W. Bush. Um, this puts a heavy emphasis, like a really heavy emphasis on standardized tests um uh, a lot went into that uh they they basically said we're gonna give you money and if you don't perform well we're gonna um basically like punish you yeah
1: it was it was the we're gonna hold a gun to your head until you do what we want yeah of education exactly and which filtered down to the kids which led to an entire generation of kids that are f- afraid to fail
0: yes oh gosh yeah and um which is us yeah, <laughs> Yay, millennials. Deeply afraid of trying because they're deeply afraid of failure uh-huh. because
1: failure is seen as bad, terrible, all the worst. Impossible to get around. End of the world. And they're not willing to attempt or try a lot of tasks.
0: Um, but then we had Obama who replaced um, No Child Left Behind with Every Student Succeeds Act. So this didn't take away standardized tests, unfortunately, but it did take away some of the harshness harshnesses that went with uh, schools if they didn't do well. It also again, required because- another way to evaluate schools, So you weren't fully evaluated based on if your test scores were up or down. There was... A, another way to like evaluate a school like do they offer ap well, and, classes you know, let's
1: talk real quick intention versus application yeah no child left behind's intention was to provide a standard that every student needed to hit mm-hmm. but what actually happened was that it set a standard that every school needed to hit yeah and if you take a school that's in inner city chicago mm-hmm. and compare that to a school that's at a high-end mm-hmm. you know suburb in orange county and look at those two schools and say oh this school in inner city chicago isn't doing the same thing yeah you get less money yeah which basically stuck stuck a whole bunch of schools that were in these really low income areas and took all their money away
0: yeah because again it was supposed to be about each kid was not supposed to be left behind but like i really want to emphasize what you just said about it really was like each school and you can't say like Hundreds, thousands of kids all need to perform at the same level. What if you have kids who are, you know, English learners. They, English is not their first language. You have kids who are special in education. They, they need well, more accommodation. And there's stories of
1: teachers teaching in these locations that are spending $400, $500 of their own money to provide textbooks. I think that's a very, holes in the floor a
0: very low ball get, number <laughs> that you just gave. That can't... <laughs> Well, I think it's more than four or five hundred dollars. Just on textbooks is what I'm saying. Oh just god, sorry. Else.
1: <laughs> and you know, teaching with holes in the floor because these schools got all their funding cut yeah. because their kids couldn't perform at the same level as these other like incredibly, you know, affluent schools, mm-hmm. and that's what ended up happening. And you know, the fact that testing became such a huge thing that people were taking four to five standardized tests every year eating up weeks of the timeline mm-hmm. so that way you could try desperately to prove that your school was on the level that it needed to be yeah and it wasn't even that the standards were set high in fact that was another part of it is that all the standards continued to lower yearly because the schools just couldn't meet it yeah and so they kept lowering the standards so that way they could give an excuse to give them funding to get around no child left behind I yeah. mean, to talk about how much of a disaster this was
0: yeah, you're He's lowering the bar just to you know meet what you need to, and it's just terrible. Um, but the although it, again, um, every student succeeds act kind of made it a little better. It did give no, power back damaged. to the states was instead of the federal control. government, but it it's still. Control. I'm still okay. You know, we're in uh we're in a online or distant learning, um, and we have to give uh, two or three um practice, yeah practice yeah. tests before the standardized test and they this year this year during all of this mess they added a second test called renaissance star testing in well, our no, they brought back it, it's
1: star yeah. testing that we took when we were. Kids. I
0: remember star when we took it when we were That's kids, it. but they it's brought the it. Test. But they brought it back on top of having to give the standardized tests that we still have to give. So now they've doubled it basically. They said because yeah. you need to give three of those also. So they're yes. like all the kids need to take star renaissance. All the kids need to take um, what we call IABS for the SBAC, which is our state standard testing. Um, and so like we've they've added more tests even to this day, which is yeah. what I was going to talk about. How like how these Decisions have affected well, us. Well, and to the this other day. side of it,
1: the other, the, what the ESSA did again, intention versus application. Yeah, the ESSA was intended to promote college
0: mm-hmm.
1: for students, and what ended up happening was is that it forced a whole bunch of students to go and accept unreasonable college debts. Yeah, because they were forced to into college. Mm-hmm. Like that was the end all be all. So they sent every single kid to college mm-hmm. and that destroyed so many kids, you know, that accepted student debt without being able to pay it off because that was the end goal. And they, it looked like, okay, cause here's what really backfired is that it looked like under Obama, there was going to be all this loan forgiveness. You know so go ahead and accept these loans and it's going to be fine under essa don't worry about it you'll make it through but that's not what happened they backfired all that loan on us and now we're all stuck with it
0: yeah it's and i mean that actually brings us to modern as in today's education um so we talked a lot about intent versus impact so uh, the intent of things were usually pretty good. Like we're trying to help these kids and these educators. If you hear anything in the background right now, it's hailing outside where we are. <laughs> so sorry. I don't know if they're going to get that on the microphone. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> anyway, um, so we have the, uh, the impact isn't always positive and it, it's really unfortunate because most of these precedents if not I would even claim all of them had a good intent like they wanted to help these kids and these educators and this education system uh, that we call public school to the best of their abilities but uh, no we
1: get to sit here and criticize in hindsight yes it's um, true and that's you know what, what about acts that we know are going to immediately backfire
0: well <laughs> we need to talk about Betsy DeVos yeah. Our current secretary of education, because we are talking about presidents and their influence on education. Well, this our president uh, appointed DeVos, who was well, look, highly unqualified for the job. It's
1: it's incredibly tragic um, because we just had on this podcast we had a conversation between three different teachers from three different schools, private, public, charter.
0: With um, Judy and Matthew, and yes, yeah,
1: and we had that education discussion on this podcast, wherein we pretty much all came to the conclusion that we were all on, we were all looking to do the same thing. We all dealt with a lot of the same problems, and at the end of the day, it's it's a preference choice. Yeah, there's not any superior, you know, method of educating your child. It depends on what your child needs. It
0: goes back to the individual parents, kid.
1: Parents get to choose. People get to react. That's what it is. DeVos is the opposite of that mentality. <laughs> yeah. And she has been throughout her entire run here mm-hmm. um, to the point where uh, the main things that have gone down with her is that, first of all, we dealt with the school shooting fiasco. Yeah. For the last, I'm not even going to call it the fiasco, the tragedy of school shooting. And DeVos' reaction was to try and arm teachers yeah. um, and act like that was going to be the thing that was going to solve it. Um, There were all these crises that came up in education uh, throughout the last four years. And DeVos has constantly made it worse rather than actually helped. And there is no No Child Left Behind Act under her. There's no ESSA to look at. It's just been roadblocking. That's pretty much it.
0: Um, Literally stopping funding uh, to rural schools in in February of this year. 800 uh, schools in rural areas uh, she yeah. cut funding from them. She's proposed cutting $6.1 billion well, look, in she, uh, federal funding. It's just didn't. she hasn't done anything positive like what well, I would look, claim federal, the rest of these presidents have. Federal funding is
1: come and go for education. Yeah. Everyone's aware of it. Schools safe for it. We all know that the federal government is going to function as best they can for public schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's malicious, that causes a different problem. And in this case, it is. Mm-hmm. It's a case that she doesn't really have anything going for that. Um, The other part of it is, is that the follow up to ESSA and what's made it so bad for students is that under Obama, ESSA was going to start providing kids with a way out of their debts after college because the debts were so extreme. Mm -hmm. And so they kept loading it on, you know, starting in 2008 when Obama took office, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that's eight years of students that have gone to college now and accepted unreasonable loans and debts. With the thought that eventually there was going to be payoff for it. So, for instance, going into an education field, when I first got out of college, was supposed to be loan forgiveness for the area that I went to. and You went into... As as, and I went into low income yeah. a low-income school yeah. with the purpose of getting that loan forgiveness. And they canceled it that year. Yeah, So, you know what I did? I got left. Out. Yeah, you got out. I went away from that because it's not worth it teaching there anymore for without that loan forgiveness. And now I've had to pay it off in person. You know, and that's you know, but that's an extra. And couple it's of years and I just want to
0: emphasize that it's not so much that like you know, it's not about like we should oh we're taking a political stand against like loan forgiveness or for loan forgiveness. But if you're gonna promise people, if you go into for two years is what I remember. Uh, do you remember that two years?
1: Five.
0: Oh, was that, is it five? Okay, five years in the like, yeah, inner city years. schools, you would have your loans forgiven. <laughs> that was the promise we were told when we were 20, 21, 22 years old. Yeah. And to, to take that away...
1: Well, and you know, and that's not even it. <laughs> that, it's, it's more than... I know
0: that wasn't her yet, I guess, but, but I
1: get that that's only federal loans. Yeah. Obviously, you got to be smart about your financial planning. Luckily for us, we have been.
0: Mm-hmm. Other
1: teachers have not. Yeah. Um, but... You know, on top of that, it has just been that you know to have a secretary of education that's aggressively against public education. Yes, is is backfiring on every single level, mm-hmm. um, and it just ends up being you know just absolutely terrible. Um, so, look the to the other thing that I think is just mostly you know unforgivable in this case is to take education away from public funding and to give it to private schools on a federal level yeah given that private schools already get funding from private educators and so to get a federal handout Mm -hmm. is so just like straight up like communist (laughs) it doesn't really make any sense to do that because it's it's already a private education why would why would taxpayer dollars need to go a private school
0: i mean you can choose to go to a private school and you can choose to to pay for that education but they get to set their own way of doing things and whereas public education if you're going to do public education you are expected to meet certain standards and if you're going to give money to private schools is unfair because you're not holding them to the same standards that you're like literal standards that you're holding public school education yeah and so again she kind of
1: she's interfered a lot on the state level yeah. Um, so even you know to overstep your bounds as the federal mm-hmm. education level and then to jump into state arguments constantly throughout her administration she's jumped into various state arguments and stopped state funding yeah. for education that's the big no no as well you're mm-hmm. not supposed to do that as the department of education you can't jump down into state levels and make it difficult to get state funding Yeah. because you need state funding that's the whole point like you can't function as a public school and I know that Under DeVos, there's been multiple strikes across the nation trying to keep teacher benefits, trying to keep it so that teachers actually have a means of keeping themselves alive in education. Mm -hmm. That's just been a constant thing. Um, And to blame her for all of it, maybe not fair, but the evidence is there that she's
0: done it. In fact, uh, just to show you, our uh, we're getting this information from NEA.org. Um, and so I'm sure you can find many other websites that would uh, support that. So we're not just saying these words. We're, we're using uh, some research that we found. Um, and so uh, I was going to ask you, but I think you kind of went into it. Uh, I was going to ask you how her influence has directly affected you, a regular public school teacher. and. Um,
1: I've been on strike. Yeah. <laughs> I've been sitting here in my house teaching for the last year. I've been, you know, I've had my job threatened every single year that I've been employed mm-hmm. with getting fired because federal funding keeps getting cut. Yeah. Um. I've been, you know, told that you know kids are trying to leave public schools because they want to go to private schools, and private schools are getting government handouts. All of this has been in place since then. Um, and the how last do those four government years of teaching wait wait. Have been... wait. How do those government handouts
0: like affect the kids wanting to go into private school, though? They've like because it's cheaper because they have government yeah, handouts? because they're
1: getting yeah because they're getting government handouts.
0: No, like I just want to make that connection. Sorry. Yes.
1: Ahead. Yeah, because there's federal forgiveness for for those situations, and that's you know that's specific. I forget where I was going with this. But Sorry, the place, I cut it's you off. Not, yeah, I don't but that's okay um, your job is being threatened
0: because they're going to private schools because a okay. loss of federal funding right. let's go
1: let' let's go to part two <laughs> oh, I'm sorry
0: <laughs> Okay. all right so I want to... that was part one part two is very short though uh, a wish list what are some things you are hoping to see from the president for the next four years that will better impact our education system today so, so like a wish list what do you hope to
1: see well look I I'm we got to make it accessible to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the big explosion has been charter schools, at least in cities. Okay. The city areas have seen an explosion of charter education. And charter education, by definition, has no oversight mm-hmm. from the federal government. Um, and that makes it a little bit interesting because I would like to see kind of an implementation of being able to align charter and public schools with the same levels of you know education. And I don't know how that would look. Um, but I think that it, there needs to be a coming together of those schools rather than a ripping apart. Yeah. Um, for a lot of times, private, public, charter, we're all kind of aligned with the goal that we're all educating and everything's been competitive
0: mm-hmm. for
1: the last four years. Everything has been in competition where we cannot respect charter schools because they steal our students. Yeah. Charter schools can't respect private schools because private schools are getting their funding. Private schools can't respect public schools because there's a superiority thing happening where they're saying we're educating and you're not. Yeah. And there needs to be a coming together, I think, of these different branches of education and a realization that we're serving different student bodies, different students are working within that. I'd also say that a reduction in testing is always ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, just the amount of testing that students go through. I think that it is enough to look at graduation numbers and to look at, you know, this, the English scores. And call it good. I yeah. don't think you need to be doing this much this much informational testing mm-hmm. for everybody. Um and high school only has the one year of SBAC testing, but in between there's different sets of criteria that you have to hit. You gotta do IABs, you gotta do all this other stuff that is yeah. and these are all initials, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know. All of these are initials for tests that we give. Yeah. We give the IAB, we give the SBAC we give the star we give all these all these are types of tests yeah. that we're giving every year and they usually take some time around a week to give and which you have means to do that it we're two, getting three times. we're losing about 4 to 6 weeks of education every year yeah um throughout the year where we're not getting to teach anything the kids are just getting tested on it um and most of the time the tests don't even align in my case for star it's not even close because i'm in a project based school yeah Project-based education has nothing to do with star testing.
0: Well, it just stinks because the wording of a lot of the tests are like... I know for like 8th graders, they panicked last year because they were given um, a history article to to read. And they were confused because they're like, but... They want us to read this article and write about it. And I'm like, yes, but it's, you know, trying to make that connection. Like, it is what we do in my class for English. Uh, Like, don't panic because it says it's a history article. It's just like, and it's hard to be able to teach that all the time because it's always a new test every year.
1: They gave last year, uh, the 11th grade got completely thrown off because the English writing question Involved them reading a scientific article, yeah, with a whole bunch of information that was cited from a scientific source, which would make sense, but out of context, seeing it there, making that connection, sitting in English
0: class instead of science class,
1: (laughs) yeah. No, we're sitting, they're sitting in the SBAC test, they're not even in a class, they're in the gym taking this test. Oh, okay, and it threw the whole district off. It was a mess from every school. They were like, and I'm not just talking public, like charter schools did it too, and charter schools were like thrown off all the test scores dropped district wide because of this question in the writing section yeah and everyone does that question everyone bombed on it because they were talking about you know an amount of you know anesthesia to give a patient when they're getting this specific operation yeah which doesn't sound like a english Mm -hmm. article but it was in the english test yeah and so that's like, that's difficult to do.
0: It's hard to, you know, do, you know, confront or, uh, uh, yeah, do that. So uh, my wish list quickly is uh, I'm hoping that what Biden-Harris has said about raising salaries, of course, is true. Of course, I'd like a nice raise. She uh, she has said she wants to give an average of $13,500 worth of raises, and she wants to increase funding for Title One schools, so my school. Uh, Biden gave really vague, like he wants to invest in our education system and our teachers and social emotional learning equity amongst our students. I of course hope. I don't know what that looks like. I don't. It didn't really give me details when I looked at his website. Um, and you know, people, I really do hope that that happens people, in a positive way. So I'm being hopeful, wishful kind yeah. of thing.
1: Those people that are thinking that raise is is a lot um, also need to understand that the majority of teachers nationwide are starting salary around uh below minimum wage Mm -hmm. um so that thirteen thousand five hundred is simply bringing it up so that way we can compete with mcdonald's fry chefs
0: (laughs) um and yeah and if you look at according to the national center for education statistics um the percentage of a change has actually gone to the negative numbers so there hasn't really been if you count inflation that much of an increase no, since the 70s so of course I'd like a raise I mean anyone would like a raise I don't think you can blame me for that yeah. um and then of course I'd like some less standardized testing I didn't see them propose that so I'm not holding my breath but these are my wish lists so um that's uh end of part two before we end officially we want to name our teacher of the week teacher this of the week yeah this teacher was nominated by at Regale me on instagram she nominated senora macias a high school spanish teacher uh she used her own learning in spanish in high school to better her uh help her students understand the language so congratulations senora macias congratulations uh, for being teacher, teacher of, the of the week, week. Um, so yeah, if you want to nominate uh, Uh, someone,
1: yeah, if you want to nominate someone for teacher of the week, find us on Facebook or Instagram at those who can't do podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at TWCD underscore podcast or email us at those who can't do podcast at gmail.com. Um, thanks you guys for sticking with us. I know we've been gone for a little bit, but we're back here, um, following the election. So (laughs) we'll put out some weekly episodes here coming
0: up. Uh, That's our episode. Tune in Mondays at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for new episodes. For those who can't do podcasts, we will see you all next week.